We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Well, did we go a whole week without rain or did we get some rain? Kind of hard to. Turn with me, if you would, to the the book of Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Let's talk this morning about our response to God's revealed word. Our response to God's revealed word. It still amazes me when people hear God's word of truth, they, but they still remain uh, inclined to their own interpretation. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> it's amazing to me for someone to hear God's revealed word, to understand that God, and that's what God's word is. It's revealed to us. Uh, but then to hang on to, if you will, their own interpretation of God's reveal, revealed word. Let me just, can I tell a little story of my own just really quick? I remember when I first came into church, I still had this desire to cling to my own interpretation. You know, I grew up in a particular denomination, and our denomination had that partic- had a particular interpretation of Scripture. We understand that there's no private interpretation, that the Scripture means what it means, and we don't use, have, have private interpretation or, you know, there's not 90 ways to get to God. There's not nine ways to get to God. There's one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. So... I was, in, I was inclined to rely on my human rationale. One of the things that we run into is that we have a human rationale inside of us, and we want to hang on to that at times because there's a comfort in what we've been able to rationalize. Uh, rather than listening to the revelatory works of the Holy Ghost, one of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to lead and guide us into all truth. So we understand, you know, is there anybody in here that you've, been led and you've been guided into all truth you've got all truth (laughs) there's a revelatory truth that can listen let me say something here there's not any such thing as new truth okay there's not any such thing as new revelation it's always been there now it may be new to me but it's not a new truth and it's not a new revelation it's just new to me or maybe it's new to you But it's always been. God's Word has always been consistent. It's always been true. It's never changed, and it never will. And so what we have to understand is when we receive revelation, it's not a new revelation. It's it's an old Word that's been revealed to us, and now we ourselves have that new revelation. So uh, as I begin to respond, though, to, to the way the Spirit of God was moving in my life, then I began to see that I was a little off in what I believe the Scripture said by the teaching that I had. I was convinced by my human reasoning that, and and let me just use my scope of what I went through. My human reasoning said when I read the scripture that there were three thrones in heaven and there were three gods that, you know, each each God set upon their own throne. You know, God the Father had his own throne, God the Son had his own throne, and God the Holy Ghost had his own throne. And so, as I began to look and I began to read when I, when I came into the church, I began to see that there was no scriptural reference. You, you see God our Father in Scripture, but you see no scriptural reference to God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. 
So then I had to back up. Okay, there's a reason that's not in there. There's not a reason there's. And so as I, I began to look at that, I, I began to, first as I looked through human eyes, it made no sense of what I was hearing about the oneness of God. And I'm not going to teach about that, but just my little story. So I was convinced that when I prayed, I had to be sure and pray the same amount to God and then the same amount to Jesus and then the same amount to the Holy Ghost so that I didn't anger one of them or that I didn't cut one of them off too early. Or, and so and some of you are already laughing, but this is how this was my perception from the denomination I came from. And so I was convinced, that, but you know what? When I heard the Scripture, because I never heard this in my denomination, when I heard the Scripture, Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, You need to research that. What does that mean? And so then I, I began to find out this whole, this whole dynamic of me believing in several gods. Uh, that's polytheism. Polytheism has no place in Scripture. The Bible is monotheistic. There's one God. And so without going and teaching that thing, I just wanted to say that, you know, it, it, it still amazes me about me that if when I stop listening to God, then I begin to fall on my human reasoning, and then I become askewed. Because my human reasoning doesn't matter. His thoughts are beyond my thoughts. His ways are beyond my ways. And my reasoning becomes askewed. So I just want to start at you know, your response to the revealed word. When God reveals things to you, the response is you don't blindly accept. The response is that you look in Scripture and find. You know, there are, there are pastors and preachers that get up and say, listen, if I said it, it's the truth. You just believe it and let's move on. Well, you know, that's fine and good till you wake up one day and you find out you're in an occult. That's what happens. So what I'm telling you is what, what you hear taught and preached from this pulpit, from this, you, you, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to God, you owe it to yourself to go home and study it, look at it, read about it, look at what's being said so that you, you get it for yourself. If you get it from me because of me, then you have nothing. If you, if you receive the word from me because of me, you have nothing. You have to receive the word of God from spirit, then you have something. Now, that doesn't demean what a teacher and a pastor does because we're called to this point and this purpose. But understand, there's a, there's a revelation of word. There's a revelation of word that you have to receive. And when you receive it, it's not because I said it. It's not because I said it. It's because you studied it. You looked it up. You know, one of the best things I ever did is I had a pastor that said, listen, just go here. Here's the scripture. Go read it. And you study it. You look this up and you will find that what you believe is not exactly what scripture says. He didn't say that what I believe was wrong or not true. He said, it's not what the scripture. So a lot of times we lead people down a path and say, well, listen, what you believe is wrong and incorrect. Listen, what, what you believe does not line up with scripture. That takes a person to scripture, not to what I believe. Okay. So so here you is with the Lord our God is one. We, we live in a world of spiritual and moral confusion. This world is morally confused. This world is spiritually confused. If you don't believe, how many denominations, how many Christian denominations do you think there are? Anybody, throw a guess. Throw a number. 300. 300. Woo! You were close. You were one off. There's right around 2,000 right now Christian denominations of some type or another. That doesn't seem possible, does it? 
there's a lot of confusion. There's not 1,000, 2,000 different ways to get to God. There's one, Jesus Christ. So we, we, some people say this is the way. Some people say this is the way. Some people say, well, there, everybody has the way. You know, my way's right and yours is wrong. Yours is right, I'm wrong. Or we just are all right. And we're going to, that, that goes. Listen, educators, psychologists, politicians, even pastors will offer you their speculation. We're not here for speculation. God reveals His Word. We're not here for speculation. We're here to find out what it says and then act accordingly. So we don't need any, listen, we don't need any more speculation in Christianity. We, we got a lot of speculation going on in Christianity. We don't need any more of that. We, we need the sure authoritative revelation of God's Word to know how we should live. There is a sure authoritative revelation of God's Word. And understand something. God is constantly in a revelation revelatory manner with us because you're in a different place than I I'm in a different place than you and you're we're all in different places in God and so he's in a constant revealing to us different things in scripture what he reveals to me and what he reveals to you may not be of the same plane but it's going to be of the same truth and he's not going to reveal to me something in word that's different than what he reveals to you in word now again, the word is an onion. It's like an onion. The more you peel it, the more you find. But there's the basic understanding that it never changes. Even when you peel the onion, the basic understanding comes back to the forefront of what the word is. And so, you know, one of the problems you see in, in uh, you hate to say this, in Christianity today is there's this. God revealed this to me, and God revealed this to me. Okay, both of you say God revealed it, but you're you're in direct conflict. So, which which is it? That's the problem that we see in Christianity today is, is that we have to go back to the basic, and that is God revealing his word to us. Uh, a sovereign God has spoken, so we can just lay aside speculation, can't we? God has spoken. He's sovereign, and when he spoke it, that's what it is. It doesn't change. You know, here's the thing about God's word. It's axiomatic. You go back to Adam, and you come to right now, it's axiomatic. It's the same for every generation. God, God met different generations in different ways, but the Word is the same all the way through. It's not for private interpretation. So as we look at Psalm 19, we're going to see that uh, it shows God's first, His general revelation in the heavens, and there's a reason the writer writes it this way, is for us to understand that God is not a simple God. God is complex, but we're a simple creation. And so his complexity to our sim simplicity is such that he, he in his creation, in the simplicity of creation, showed us who he is. We'll, we'll read it. So uh, his specific revelations in scriptures, Psalm 19, and then how David responds to not just the general how God in creation showed us he's God and who he is, but also how in specific Revelation of Scripture, he shows us. So, let's look at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So, we know Genesis 1 tells us about creation. God created everything. The heavens and the earth, he created the universe, all those things. Okay, so let, let's just continue. Let's read through verse 6. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language, where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. 
His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So, so we understand there's a comparison here uh, 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 of the sun, and then God using it. We'll just talk about that a little bit. So David says three things about the revelation of God here in his creation. Now, the word glory here means, mean, it used, it means weight or, or worth. So when you look at the word glory in this scripture here, you're defining the weight or worth of God. When you look at God's creation, you see an abundance of the evidence of God's weight and worth. If you don't believe it, tonight, it's hard. I know we live out in the country, so it's easy for us. It's hard in the city to go out and look at the stars. you got so many lights around you. But cup your hands like this and put them over your eyes and just, just look up for a little bit. And all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing things just in the cup of your hands that you probably don't normally see because of, of how the weight and the worth of how God, when he spoke, God didn't make that star, make that star, God spoke, and then he made the stars. He spoke it, and it happened. He spoke these things. Uh, if you choose to ignore God's revelation and creation, it's, it won't be because of the lack of evidence. So there's so much evidence all around us. The problem is we've gotten, we've gotten in such a hurry as a society is we miss the evidence. We miss the evidence of God and what it is. There are simple things when you look at it, when you look at simple things in nature, there's evidence there. So let's read verse 4 again. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. So in other words, the message that God is God extends to everywhere through all people. The message that God is God is extends to everywhere. Well, they haven't heard the gospel preached. You, you have those that tell you they haven't heard the gospel preached. The scripture here says that creation itself proves to every human being, regardless of where they are in the world, that God is God. Paul says that the problem is the reason people do not see the evidence is a moral thing, not intellectual. The reason they don't see God in, in uh, all of creation is it's not an intellectual thing. It's a moral thing. It, Paul says it's because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. Romans chapter 1. There's a whole litany of things there, but in Romans 1. Since the beginning, it's obvious God is God. So the evidence is there. The problem is people don't want to see it. They don't want to submit to God as Lord because they want to be their own Lord. That, that's why people don't, you know, it's, it's interesting how you go to most Native American Indian cultures, uh, and what you find is they believe in a great spirit. They believe in a great spirit. They believe that there was one great spirit that did this. Now, do they have the knowledge that we have? Uh, probably not, because in those times they didn't have Scripture that we have. But understand this. They knew by nature, and that's what the writer is saying here. You don't have to be highly educated to grasp this evidence. You don't have to be highly educated to grasp it. His creation is a silent evidence. That's what he's saying here. Sometimes education can even get in our way. I'm not against education. I'm glad, you know, college education, get your master's, get your doctorate, all this. Those are fantastic. But don't let that get in the way of grasping, grasping the simplicity that God has given us to understand that he is God through, through uh, nature. So there are several attributes of God revealed in the heavens. 
when you look into the heavens, there are several things about God that are just revealed. God is infinite in His power. Now, our galaxy, the Milky Way, contains more than 100 billion stars. 100 billion stars. And there are probably at least, scientists tell us, 100 billion other galaxies in the universe, each having billions of stars. But all it says in Scripture is, and He made the stars. There's an ev- Just look at the stars and you see the evidence of the power that is in God. And yet, it's just from what we see. We don't know what's outside of... I mean, we're just now sending satellites. We're sending probes. We're sending all this stuff to see what's outside of the system we live in. And we're finding some of the most outstanding things. God is consistent and faithful. You know what one of the beautiful things about God is? The sun is like God. The sun rises in the east every single day, and it sets in the west every single day. That's just a, it, shows, it just shows the consistency of God. We understand the revolution of the planet. We understand all of those things. But just understanding that just as that is a consistent thing in our life, just by looking at creation, understand that God is always consistent. God is always consistent. God doesn't fail. He never will. He doesn't fail. God is radiant in His splendor. David compares the son to a bridegroom coming out of his bridal chamber, as we read. He's radiant. He's full of joy. He's happy. You know, it's just the perfect picture. The radiance is, is the radiance of God. I mean, there are things, and again, I'm going I'm to move on from this. I just want you to understand that through creation, God has exposed himself about who he is to us. If the sun varied a few degrees in its temperature, it would either melt the polar ice caps and flood the entire earth, or it would cause an ice age on the earth. But it's exact. It's consistent. Does it get cold in the winter and hot in the summer? That's not because the sun changed. That's because the earth changed in its rotation and it Understand, God's consistent. He's not going to change in that way. Sometimes we change. Sometimes we might get a little hot. Sometimes we might get a little cold. But understand, we stay in, 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 in the direction of God when we continue to revolve around the sun. Uh, the sun just maintains a strength and a power. You know, I had some information about the sun, but I didn't want to just bog everything down with information. But the, the information that we've been able to gather about our sun is just phenomenal. Because it's continual and it's self-reproductive. It's not. It's it's nuclear fusion. It's self. Once it starts, you know, our our scientists right now have. I uh, just read this past week. They created a nuclear fusion machine. This was in Europe, not nuclear fission. Nuclear fusion, and there's a difference. The nuclear fission will die out. It will complete its. And then it'll stop. Nuclear fusion, if it ever starts what it, it's content, creates its own energy. And so they have a machine that they've now been able to create a nuclear fusion reaction for 13 seconds. 13 seconds. And we feel like we've accomplished something fabulous and great. When we understand, every day we get up, we look at it. And every night we watch it go down and we see it come up again. We, we understand that. God is consistently like the sun.
the Son is consistently like God. God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. Just as the sun shines upon the earth, you know, the sun comes up. How do you escape the sun? I go inside the house. Have you escaped the sun? Well, block out the windows. Have you really escaped the sun? You really never escape the sun. Understand this, that just as the sun shines on the earth, God searches us out. He knows everything about us. We don't escape him. We don't escape him. God has revealed himself specifically in his word. Let's look at verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, that much, <coughs> pardon me, fine gold, sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and his keeping of them there is a great reward. And so God's word is, is authoritative, first of all. As we read this scripture, notice the nouns. And I realize I read it fast. When you go back and look at it, notice the nouns that's used here. The law, testimony, precepts, commandment, even fear here, when you look it up, is not a verb. It's a noun. And judgments, they imply authority. God doesn't say, uh, excuse me, but would you consider my points here? God is the ultimate authority. He didn't give us the ten hints on how to live right. We live in a culture that despises authority. Our culture despises authority. Even when you get into the church, you will hear Christians say, when someone wants to speak in an authoritative manner, well, we're not under the Old Testament anymore. And th that's correct. But, but why are you saying that? It's, you're, you're rejecting some authority. You don't want to hear some things that you need to hear. Listen, be careful not to defy God's authoritative word because you'll, the peril therein is if you defy the authority of God, there is a, an extreme peril that comes your way. God's word is extremely adequate. Paul says the Scripture is given to us to, to make the man of God perfect. That word perfect is adequate. Every good work, 2 Timothy 3.17. The wisdom of God's Word shows us how God has ordained for you and me to live a blessed life. Let me read that again. The wisdom of God's Word shows you and I how God has ordained in our life how we're supposed to live blessed. But we tend to veer away from what God ordained in Word. Or we tend to, and again, this is why you see denominations, this is why you see variances, we tend to get away from what the Word actually says, and we want to make it say what we want it to say. One of the things I've noticed, and you have too, in, the, in probably the last 20, 30 years, it's been going on for years, but it's really pronounced in our society today, is the misuse of Scripture. The misuse of Scripture. Taking this one and putting it with this one to make this one. I have this discipline in my life. I have this, this doctrine that I believe, and it's taken from this scripture and this scripture and, and oh, that part, uh, John 3, uh, part B of that scripture, and making it become a doctrine in our life. And there's a very big danger in that because the word is ordained to it, not, not specific parts of the word. All the word is ordained for a blessing in your life. 
And when, and again, what am I talking about here today? Responding to God's revealed word. God reveals things to us every week. You know how I know that? I can see it in your eyes when I'm preaching. I can hear it in your voices sometimes. God reveals to us things. You ever been sitting in church and, man, that guy, uh, man, he read my mail. You ever heard that term? Yeah. Well, pastors, don't, we don't read mail. Yeah. We just let the Holy Ghost do that. The Holy Ghost to read your mail and the Holy Ghost to talk to you. <clears throat> it's amazing how one sermon says so many things. <laughs> it's amazing as a pastor, I realize that, that one sermon will say, if there's 25 people in here, 25 different things. But it's the one sermon. Because understanding that that word is ordained into your life for your purpose and your time of what you're going through. The word is not given to you as a burden. It's a blessing. He's not trying to take away your fun. God's not trying to take away your fun. He's trying to bring you some real and lasting fun. God's not against fun. God's not against fun. I had a grandpa, loved him to death. He, he thought it was wrong to have fun. He thought it was sinful to have fun. And yet it's not sinful to have fun. There are some fun things that are sinful. Oh, that's not fun. You bet it is. That's why I did it. It was fun. just didn't last. There are things you've done in your life and things that I've done in my life that were fun. You know, the problem is we don't want to admit that, do we? I'm going to surprise some of you. Getting drunk was fun. Getting drunk was fun. It just didn't last. And the problem was afterwards. The fun brought on some not-so-fun things. Hugging the great porcelain God. Do y'all know what that is? Spinorama. Do you know what that is? You lay in your bed and it goes. I was convinced for years that there was a devil in my house because every time I came home, the spent bed was spinning around. Well, it wasn't the bed spinning around. It was all that fun that I was having last night. See, there, there are things that are fun to us in our flesh, but God said my word is established in your life to take to replace that stuff with even more fun stuff. Man, I've had so much fun since I've been in the church because I can lay my head down and I don't have to worry about who's going to show up with a gun and shoot me because I did a bad deal on them. Or I don't have to worry about the cops are going to show up and come arrest me. I, you know, I don't have to worry about if I'm, you know, there's nothing like Jason Bryant, their visiting grandmother, we call it the hotel. But <laughs> you don't know what the hotel really is? It's got the bars. Yeah, Okay. So when we had our hotel visits, you know, there's nothing like a hotel visit. They always had nice, clean floors. You just have to step around all the uh, that people were doing while they were in there. And they had nice, clean beds. You just had to lay on that one little spot that people hadn't. Oh, and, and they had, you know what, the bars were, they were so close together, I didn't have to worry about getting out. I didn't have to worry about anybody coming in. They were close together so I couldn't make it. Man, that was fun. Yeah, see God said, listen, I got something better for you. And that's what the Word, if you'll look at the Word, it'll give you what's better. The problem is we're afraid we're going to really see it. And it's going to take away from all the fun I just described. Now, some of you have never involved yourself in that fun. You've involved yourself in other kinds of fun. But understand this. The perp, God's Word is not a burden. It's a blessing. His Word is accurate. Look at the adjectives David uses here. He says his word's perfect. 
The word perfect there is complete, having integrity. It's sure. It's a solid foundation. And, you know, there's nothing better than having something solid under your feet. Nothing better. It's right. That word right there in the Hebrew means mapping out a straight course. It's, 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 a, it's a directional. Absolutely. Right. Maturity is huge. You know, if you take the physical aspects, if you take a child that he's fed well, fed the right things, all those things, his body matures in a different way than a child that just eats cake and candy and their parents don't care, they, what they, they don't love them brush their teeth, their body doesn't mature. It's the same. Listen, there's a lot of Christians that like the cake and candy. They don't really want to eat the meat. They don't really want to, you know, they want to talk. And I'm not against the book of Revelation, but that's all they want to talk about. You know, there's nothing wrong with eating candy. You've got to be careful. You've got a lot of sugar in it. Eat, eat no sugar. You ever eaten no sugar candy? Of course you hadn't. That's what candy is, it's sugar. So the best thing to do is what? Now, we don't want to say that in America. Let's don't eat candy. It's full of sugar. Let's, let's talk spirit here. Let's talk word here. I mean, yes, maturity has a lot. To, but you can't mature. If you don't eat the correct things, I don't, you know what, I, I did this for a while when I was uh, younger, and I did this when I was boxing, actually. I ate a lot of baby food because it, it gave me a lot of energy, and you know, I ate a lot of baby food. There's a lot of weightlifters that do it. There's a lot of pro athletes that do it. The problem is, what is baby food designed for? So what happens is we figured a way to usurp the system and use what's designed for a child to help us enter our dirt. But the problem is it doesn't last. Y'all see how well I'm built now? It doesn't last. Yeah, quit eating baby food, I guess. Understand this. Baby food is for babies. How many of you have fed your six-month-old steak? You didn't. Why? Number one, they had no teeth. Number two, they wouldn't have eaten it. They wouldn't have liked the taste. It's not consistent with what they're used to at the time. So the maturity level comes by the Word. That's why when God reveals His Word, you're only going to mature as far as you respond to the revealed Word. Response is not, listen, response is not, I receive an acknowledgement of it and move on. A response to God's Word is I acknowledge it in its, in its wisdom, but I use it in its principle. God reveals things to you for you to use in your life, not to just have a knowledge of. Uh, you know, I've known a lot of people that had a lot of knowledge of Scripture, but never put it into their life. 
And so it's, it's, I don't want to say it's useless, but they've not matured. It's not that the word's useless. It's that they haven't matured because they haven't taken that word and they haven't responded to it. So you have to respond to the word, not just know the word. Jesus said what? Don't be hearers only. Be doers. That's how you mature. So, yes, absolutely. Maturity has a lot to do with it. Uh, Another part, another uh, adjective was pure. That means no wholesome elements. Clean, free from impurities. True, totally dependable. Listen, your life cannot be in order if it's not framed by God's Word. It will not be in order. Things will be out of order if it's not framed by God's Word. So if if you use this Word and frame your life with the Word, then the picture that's in the middle will be a nice picture. It won't be a perfect picture. There's no perfect picture. Listen, you can look at some of the greatest Picassos and you find flaws in them. We can. Let, can I say something about that? Thank you for bringing that up. The, the biggest blue letter Bible is great, and we'll do that. By the way, I've, I've got a dry erase board, and we're going to start using a dry erase board next week to get visual. Visual is, is one of the best ways to learn something. When you see it, it's big. When you see it. So if you don't have a concordance, a strong, exalted concordance, what is that? That is, uh, that is the Hebrew, Chaldean, and the Greek. It's the, it's the Old and New Testament of understanding what words in the Scripture actually mean, not what we think they mean. We're going to start that next week. We're going to throw some words up on that board of what, what we think these words mean and then what they actually mean in Scripture. Because, it's, because if we're not applying ourselves into the Word, if we're not studying to show ourselves approved, if we're not responding to the Word, then we won't mature and we won't, you won't be able to frame your life. You know, there's nothing worse than framing your life with the wrong picture frame. Beautiful picture and the frame looks like junk. When would you put, you, know, you took a bunch of one by sixes and made you a frame? You painted it with some orange paint, and you have this Picasso. What do you think it does to the Picasso? Does it devalue the Picasso? Maybe, maybe not. But does it make the Picasso look different than what it actually is? Most likely. Most likely. So, uh, yes, we, we can do that. To answer your question, Austin, how to use the blue letter Bible is a concordance type on your script. on, on uh, Okay that you can get on your phone, and it'll help you with those, those words. What, what I have found, yeah, I'm probably not going to be able to finish this. Here's what I have found in the origins of concordances, where they're strongs, where it gives you the, the dictionary uh, meaning, or it gives you the Greek meaning and the Hebrew and Chaldean. In the origin, they had the actual meaning. I've picked up some concordances lately, and in order to satisfy a narrative, they've changed the meaning of the word. So you have to be careful with the blue letter with that. In order to fit a narrative, they've changed the meaning of the word so that it fits their narrative. And I've got one big one that I'm not going to go into it because it'll create a huge uh, discussion right now. But this particular word, the, the name was changed so that the narrative would work with what they believed. And it still doesn't work. Even when they change the word, it still doesn't work. It still didn't fit. And I know what you're wondering with that. You ask me later. Your life can't be in order unless it's God's word is absolute. God's word endures.
to all generations, and it's altogether righteous. It applies to every culture, for every time, for all peoples. It doesn't shift or change with our shifting and changing times. That's what, what the writer is saying here. God's word's abrasive. That's the part we're kind of careful of, isn't it? Look at verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. What by? The word. And in keeping of them, there is a great reward. The word kind of scrapes against us sometimes, doesn't it? It kind of rubs us a little raw sometimes, doesn't it? Because the word itself, sometimes it's like a sandpaper in our life. It's sanding to a fine point things out of our life so that we have that smooth. That's what the word does. It's abrasive. But it's, it's an abrasive that's meant for your benefit, not to harm you. God doesn't want to harm you in word. So you must respond to God's re- revelation of word. And, and let me, I'm just going to tackle one point here because in the Scripture it shows us this. You've got to respond to God's revelation of word by facing your sin and submitting to his word. One of the hardest problems people have in understanding the revelation of God's word in their life is that they won't respond to the sin in their life first. They, they won't let God wash that out of their life first. And sin is a blockade. Sin is a shut door. All of those things. We know that God is all-powerful. The all-powerful God is hamstrung by me not allowing him to come into my life. In other words, he can't force his way in. He won't force his way in because his word says he won't. He's given me a free will. And so God is, can I use the word hamstrung? I keep him at bay. Only can he come into my life when I will allow it. If not, you know, everybody in the world would be saved. Everybody in the world would be rejoicing in righteousness. Everybody, if God forces his way in. But that's, that's not how God operates. He allows us under free will to allow his will. You know, there was a discussion, I think, about free will, about why do we pray? If God already's will is going to be done, God's will is going to be done, accomplished, why do we pray? Well, we don't pray that God's will is... We pray because it changes us, not God. We pray because it changes us, not God. We, we get out of direction in God, and we pray so that we get back in that direction. When you get out of direction... You ever been driving down the road and you take the, because I did this one night and got lost for three hours. And you take this, you thought the sign said this, and so you went on it and you're driving, you're driving, you're driving, nothing, you're driving, you're driving, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I'm totally lost. Almost ran out of gas. Finally got to this little town and there's one gas station in the town and they were about to close. I was fortunate enough to get gas. I said, you know, hey, hey I, I need to get on this particular freeway. And he said, well, what are you doing out here? <laughs> you're like a man. Well, you know, I just sightseeing. I just wanted to, but how do I get back? And I wouldn't tell I was lost. We don't, man, we don't do that. I'm sightseeing. Well, you know, you're about 30 or 40 minutes away from there, so take this road and go this way. Anyway, that happens in, in, our, in our, if we don't stay on the path with word, what happens is we get, we see something we think is the right sign, and we follow it, and the next thing you know, we're three hours out of the way. We're, we're way off base and way off kilter. Because we do, and, and that usually happens. What usually happens is the, the sign that we take is usually sin in our life. That, that veers us off. Uh, look at verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. See, who can understand their errors? Cleanse me now from secret. The hidden sins in our life. There are secret sins in our life. That doesn't necessarily mean you're holding a secret that nobody else knows. It can also mean things that you don't really understand are sin in your life 
or maybe you're not aware of that God wants to make you aware of, of sin in your life, to reveal to you those places, perhaps the unknown, what the Word does is it will reveal those things to you. You ever wondered if sin... The Bible tells me that a drunkard will not enter the kingdom. Okay? The Bible tells I'd make that up. The drunkards will not enter the kingdom. So what is a drunkard? Okay. So drink, you know, we're not supposed to drink at wine wherein is excess, right? What does that mean? Don't drink wine wherein is excess. What does that mean? Okay. So we're not supposed to, it doesn't say not to drink wine. It says don't drink in an excess. What happens when you drink wine in excess? You get drunk. Okay. So the Bible says we're not supposed to do that to sin, but it doesn't say we can't get high on pot. It doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. It doesn't say we can't do quaaludes. We can't do speedballs. It doesn't say anything about that. You understand, we talked about this Wednesday, there's a principle behind the particular. God's not going to name off everything that, anything that takes you out of your right mind into another place is what he's talking about here. It's the principle behind the particular. And so that's why we read word and study word. It takes us to the principle behind. Many people love to work around the particular. They don't really want to get involved with the principle. But if you know, behind every particular, there is a principle. It's in God's word. Behind every, any particular you can come up with, let me, okay, let me use a better word. Behind any sin that you think you can come up with, and there's some things we've named sin that aren't sin, but the Word will open it up to you. It'll fashion to you what God wants you to do in that situation. It, 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 you know, I know preachers, we, we say this over and over and over again, but you know, the more you're in the Word, the better off you're going to be. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Sin actually lies much deeper within us than our outward actions. Just as a sniffle, that, that's not a cold. That, 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 what is that? That's evidence of a cold. And you don't, to get rid of a cold, you don't keep wiping your nose. You'll have just a big red nose. But you go inside, and you get rid of the problem inside, and then the sniffle stops. And it's the same thing with sin. Understand this about sin. A lot of times we want to deal with the actual thing itself, and we should, but understand that there's a deeper thing in us that's creating that sniffle, that sin. And when we go to the deeper part of it, then what happens is the sniffle will stop. When we address and respond to God's revelatory word about that, then the sniffle will stop because we've responded to it. His word shows us that he's awesome, he's, he's loving, and he's gracious. Uh, responding to his revelatory word is vital in your life. If you're not daily responding to the word of God, you're, you're, you're actually stopping the maturity growth. You know, <clears throat> Psychologists say that if, if there's a young girl and she's on a date and she gets raped and she's 16 years old until she's able to deal with that and put that to a side, when she's 26, she's still 16 in that avenue of her life. When she's 36, she's still 16 in that avenue of her life. When she's 96, she's still 16 until she learns to, you know what, sins the same way. Until you learn to deal with it, that's where you're stuck. You're stuck in that spot. Till you learn how to deal with it. And how do you learn how to deal with it? The Word. 
The Word tells you how to deal with it. How do you? That doesn't necessarily mean it's a sin. There are things that in our life we do, we're doing, quote, unquote, wrong that aren't sin. We've, we've misinterpreted what we should be doing in the right fashion. That, you know, one of the problems we had coming from where a lot of us came from is that, you know, we, we were like the Pharisees. You know, maybe God had 27 sins in the Scripture, but we wanted to straighten God out and put 495 of them in there. God wasn't sure about what sin was, but we are. And sometimes we apply things in our lives that are sin. They're just misinterpretations or non-maturity or many things. The thing about it is, is when you study God's Word, what happens is it's amazing how God will reveal to you those things that you're talking about will reveal to you when you're studying God's Word. Uh, sometimes they come through people. And the best thing to do when, when somebody addresses that, you don't fight them. You know what? You, you go back to God's Word. You just go back to God's Word. So... Let, let me finish here. I got, I got one minute. Remember how my little story began this lesson? Y'all remember about my little story? How I came in with a preconceived notion about God, or let me say this, God's polytheism. Listen, be willing to listen in, to God's spirit. Be willing, you know, have a spirit of meekness because when, when you're willing to listen, doesn't mean you take everything hook, line, and sinker. Some of the biggest bass I've ever caught took me a long time to catch them because they didn't go for every hook, line, and sinker. They didn't look at every worm. Boy, that's great. They didn't like every shiny thing that came by. They were very selective. That's why they were big. That's why they were big. That's why the big bucks, the 12, 14, 16-point bucks, are 12 and 14. They're very selective about where they go, when they go, and why they go. That's why they're big. And it's the same thing in Scripture. You know, be selective in your Scripture. Come with meekness. Look at the Bible for the course of the reason you're looking, and then watch what happens to your level of understanding because that's the purpose of the Holy Ghost is that when you're looking for these things in Scripture, the Holy Ghost then will, can I say, expand your knowledge of what that is. And in general reasoning, you, here's what you find out. It happens to be something that you're dealing with in your life at that moment. It happens to be something. These revelatory moments happen to be something that you're dealing with in life at that very moment. God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you are. Anybody have a...
I skipped some of it, so just to make sure I've been overshooting the time the last few weeks. God bless you. Let's take a little time before our worship. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.